Welcome to the Masters of Data podcast, the podcast that brings a human to data. And I'm your host, Ben Newton. Data scientists are using machine learning and artificial intelligence to upend entire industries, and fashion is no exception. Our guest this episode is Brad Kleenberg, the VP of Algorithms at Stitch Fix. If you are one of the few people left that hasn't actually heard of Stitch Fix, Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that both recommends additions to their clients' wardrobes, but actually commits to those recommendations by physically delivering that inventory to their clients. Brad and his team use statistics, machine learning, and human-in-the-loop algorithms to deliver an amazing experience for their customers optimize inventory, and make great fashion recommendations for their customers. This human-in-the-loop part means that they've actually cracked a code for using next-gen machine learning to supercharge their network of thousands of personal stylists to work faster and deliver great results at the same time. So without any further ado, let's dig in. Welcome, everybody, to the Masters of Data podcast, and I'm your host, Ben Newton, and I'm very excited uh, about my guest today, Brad Klingenberg. He's the VP of Algorithms, which sounds very fancy, at Stitch Fix, and I'm very excited to talk to you today, Brad. Welcome. Well, thank you, Ben. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm particularly excited. I think Stitch Fix is one of the first companies that my wife was actually excited that I was talking to somebody from there. Um, you know, some of the companies I talked to, she's like, I don't care. Well, that's, it's great to hear, and it's fun <laughs> as we've grown to, to have <laughs> More people recognize the, the brand and company. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are doing uh, fantastic things. And um, we're going to talk a little bit more later about what you actually do and what Stitch Fix actually does. But like what we always do on Masters of Data, you know, we want to we humanize you, hear more about the person that is um, Brad. So talk to me a little bit more about how you got to where you are. I mean, how did you end up in, in data science? Was there some sort of childhood trauma or, you know, did you... Uh, <laughs> No, I, I think uh, through a lot of uh, happy accidents. I, I studied uh, applied mathematics as an undergraduate and yeah. found problems with data um, and problems about the real world the most compelling and engaging. And that led me to, to study statistics in graduate school. And, you know, it, it happened to be a very good time to be, you know, studying statistics and data. I went to graduate school anticipating that I, I'd become an academic and a researcher. Yeah. I spent a summer at Google and, um, you know, kind of caught the private sector bug, you know, seeing the impact that the data and algorithms could have on, on an operating business. And really that, that tangible impact got me really excited. And, and from there, um, you know, ha had a few other internships and, um, you know, part of which was working part time at, at Netflix while I was in graduate school where I met Eric Colson, who, who founded the, the data science team here. Yeah. And uh, a few years later, uh, Join Stitch Fix. Wow, you've actually had some uh, some pretty interesting experience. Google and, and Netflix. You really uh, you really got to see some of the um, on the cutting edge data science. I would I would expect you got exposed to some really interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think you know, data science. I was even kind of slow to take to the the label of data science. You know, thinking of myself as an applied statistician for. for <laughs> and I, I think data science is interesting because it is such an umbrella term. And you know can be organized so differently at different companies, and, and the approach is far from uniform across the industry. Yeah. Well, well, well actually, let me ask you because it is funny. I, I remember I interviewed a uh, another guy that said um, uh, most of the time AI AI is just statistics. So I don't know if that <laughs> conforms to your experience. But I mean, how do you define data science now that you you this is really your field? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it can be a tricky thing to define. You know, I think there's a great there's a great characterization um, from, I, I think, Josh Wills, who, who said that, you know, a data scientist is some views better at statistics than most engineers and better at engineering than most statisticians. And <laughs> I like that. You know, a blend of enough computational sophistication to, to, to really be able to leverage machine learning and to do things at scale. But then also just like a very a principled approach to modeling and thinking about uncertainty. Part of the fun, though, is that it is, it is a big a big uh, umbrella and there's a lot of different activities that you know can be called data science to the different companies yeah no that that actually makes a lot of sense and it's i i think of all the people i've i've met in data science they come from a pretty wide array of background i've met physicists and mathematicians and statisticians so i guess that that speaks to the fact that it's, it's kind of something you you gravitate towards so so how did what's the story of how you ended up at uh, stitch fix how did that how did that happen yeah. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned, when I when I was working part time at Netflix with the data science organization there as a graduate student, one of the folks I got to, to meet was Eric Coulson, who at the time was a VP at, at Netflix running, um, you know, data science team working on recommendations, among other things, and got, got to know the team there, had, had a great experience, you know, went back to, to focus on school. And, um, you know, it was a couple of years later, Eric reached out and let me know that he'd, he'd left Netflix for a little startup. And I knew his his involvement, you know, signaled something, you know, interesting was happening. Right. I do remember my wife laughing out loud when I when I shared the prospect of me contributing to, to a fashion company. <laughs> and but uh, you know, knew Eric and you know came out to to visit the team and met Katrina and the, the leadership team that even at that very early stage she she had put together. It was a very easy decision to join. Oh, that's 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 cool, and I. You know, and when I was, you know, l- looking more into, you know, the story here, it seems like a really interesting story how Stitch Fix came about. I mean, but t- tell us a little bit more about what's the background. What is Stitch Fix actually trying to do? And, you know, in particular, how, you know, how are you, you know, you and your team fitting into that? Absolutely. So Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service. We're a retailer of mostly apparel for women's, men's, and most recently for kids. You know, it, it really is a personal styling service in the sense that it's a it's a push model of retail. So the way it works is someone will sign up for the service and tell us about their preferences, how they like things to fit, and their their style preferences, and and we'll take that information and then and then send things to to the clients. So the the, the key distinction from traditional retail is actually having Stitch Fix acting as a personal stylist, choosing the things to send to you rather than you picking them yourself, hmm. and. So, you know, this is in a sense, you know, a, a very literal bet on the recommendation. So, you know, rather than just rendering something on a web page, you know, actually, you know, putting the putting it in a box and, you know, paying for shipping and sending it to a client. And for that to work, we use a combination of, of algorithmic recommendations and, and data science alongside expert human curation. And so one of the most interesting themes about Stitch Fix is this blend of art and science and, and human and machine and in particular the way it works for for choosing items for clients is that we we take all the information we have about preferences our clients have shared with us things we know about our inventory and critically feedback that the clients have shared with us and we distill it down into a set of algorithmic recommendations but each one of those is actually curated by a human stylist so every time you receive a shipment from stitch fix it's the result of this human-machine hybrid, but also every single item we send to clients has been picked by a stylist. 
Yeah, you know, I I did find when I was reading up a little bit more about what the process, how the process works, I did find that really interesting. How you you guys have managed to find a really interesting blend of of human interaction with with the algorithm. Because I think when I first started reading, I'm like, okay, this is like you know, this is an artificial intelligence stylus, but it's 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 really not. It's it's a it's a more complex you know process that you know makes sure that the human stays part of the. Uh, hard, part of the end-to-end process, and is, do you feel like that's something that really sets you guys apart? Or absolutely, and and I think it's you know it shows up in other areas of our business. Uh, so you know we've talked about you know stylists working with algorithms. We also have data scientists focused on how much to buy and even designing new clothes. Um, and all of that is done in close partnership with you know expert merchants and, and designers. There's really a, kind of a the most universal theme here is probably humans and machines working together and certainly our experience has been in, in multiple multiple settings that the, the two can you get a lot more from the two combined than you would from either alone yeah yeah no that um that really makes sense it's 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 interesting like one of the the themes that we have on this podcast has been that i developed over time was bringing human to data and i and i think that's one of the when i was really reading this i was really excited to hear you talk about this because i think there's a there's a sense when most people hear artificial intelligence, they hear data science, you know, whatever, they're, they're always thinking of it in a way as like, okay, the, you know, this machine is replacing something. And in some senses, of course, that's right. But you, you really kind of getting back to what, what I, I'm hoping is going to be the case in, in some is it's more about extending and complementing humans and making them more effective and helping them scale. Absolutely. I, I think probably one of the most frequent questions I get, you know, at speaking events and conferences is, you know, is the goal just to automate all this and, and to, to take the human out of the loop? And, you know, certainly it's not. Um, and you know, as somebody who's you know, worked on this problem for many years, you know, I think the, the role that, that human judgment and just holistic understanding of, of the client plays is, you know, really complementary to many of the things you can do algorithmically. And so just as you're saying, I think, you know, over time, if you think of there being like a, you know, a, a boundary between things that, that can best be done algorithmically and, and things that humans are better at, you know, that's something that will evolve over time. But, but the spirit is really using algorithms to let humans do things better than they could alone, right. rather than automating people away. Yeah. Well, at least the analogy that I, I use sometimes is the, is you know like Iron Man, you know, so like the suit that makes Iron Man better at what he does, right? It's yep. not it's not how nine thousand, you know, throwing you out the uh, the, <laughs> the airlock. Well, one thing before we dig in a little bit more on that, you know, there was also something that you said a couple of different places, which which really um, you know hit me is that in particular, Stitch Fix is in the middle of what I. I like to think of there, there. There seems like there's a big sea change going on in the industry right now. There, there's really something changing because if you look at what's what's happened for so long in and the general industry, particularly retail, you know how did Walmart win and then Amazon win and initially right it was logistics and price. It, you know, to some extent, customer experience, but really it was logistics and price. Like, how can I get more stuff to you more cheaply and give you a better price, and basically get my services to more people? And you talked about a couple different places that you really you needed to be able to compete on something else. And you talked about personalization at scale. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, how do you, because it really seems like that's, because uh, that, that really resonated with me. How do, you, how do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, a, a, as you say, I think the bar for personalization is rising in retail and, and 
and likely many other industries as well. There's intense competition for so logistics and you know providing retail at, at, at low prices. But if, if that's not the surface you want to differentiate on, if that's not the value proposition you offer to clients, um, it, it needs to be something else. And so at Stitch Fix, you know, are you know for different clients, you know, we have different value propositions. But it's really about you know the kind of surprise and delight of, of having something you love picked for you and you know the convenience of not having to scroll through a website and, and, and you apply a bunch of filters to try to find what you want but actually just having it come to you and, and loving it and getting it to try it on at home um and you know so so there there's many different ways that clients experience stitch fix and i i i think really the common denominator though is is, is personalization and you know what what enables us to do that is both you know the, the way that we use data and, and data science and in combination with, you know, human curation. And it's also enabled by our business model in an important way. So one of the interesting things that, that, that sets Stitch Fix apart from, from traditional retail is the push nature of the business. So mm -hmm. us getting to choose what we clients. And that makes the business, you know, even more different from traditional retail in, in, in obvious ways, but also some subtle ways. Um, one of them is that there are feedback loops that are available to us that, that aren't available to, to most traditional retail models. Hmm. So if you, if you go into a store and you know, try on a pair of pants and you know, it doesn't fit quite right or you really don't like the style, um, nobody really finds out about that. Nobody gets the feedback that like, yeah. I would have loved fit a little differently or if it was a slightly different color. And even if you buy it, you know, you don't typically, you know, as the business, like you might see that something's selling, but you really don't know why. So with Stitch Fix, you know, we really close this feedback loop by having clients tell us, you know, implicitly through the, through what they choose to keep and what they choose to return, but also explicitly through structured feedback. You know, this is, you know, too small or I love the style even freeform text, which is really fun just because people are so excited to share with us and, you know, are just effusive in, in the feedback they share. And that feedback loop is really an important part of what enables the personalization because mm. when you share that you love something or it was a little, you know, too big for you or too small, we learn about you and can better serve you over time. And, yeah. you know, that, that's what, you know, is in, that's what excites clients to, to share with us. But we also learn about about the preferences of other people and about our inventory. So, you know, for example, if we send a blouse to a thousand people and, and 900 say that it's too small, we've learned something about the blouse and, and we can use that not only to recommend it more effectively to clients in the future. In many cases, we can actually, through, through our own exclusive brands, you know, just change the blouse or, you know, figure out, you know, what we should buy from market that would better serve our clients. And so it's really this kind of flywheel of, of feedback that, that powers a lot of the, the personalization. Um, and, you know, an important part of that is, you know, having our, the incentive of our clients in, in wanting to share with us be really strongly aligned with, you know, our incentive as a business and, yeah. and people trusting us to be good stewards of, of everything they share with us and, you know, wanting us to deliver on improving their experience over time as we get to know them. No, that's, that's, that's really cool. And I, I definitely, I definitely picked up on it, that this feels like a it, it feels like a collaborative process with your your customers that they feel like they're part of it, which is very different than absolutely anything else I've seen. Even with even with retailers that have really good customer service, 
you 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 know you have that aspect of feeling like they're going to take care of you, but it's different to feel like you're actually part of the process. And I think that's that's pretty fascinating. And and I mean, how how quickly does this happen? So if you, I mean, how quickly are you are you guys able to respond, or do you want to respond when you're getting this feedback? Yes, I mean, you know, in principle, I think you know we want to use all the information we have all the time to, mm-hmm. to make better decisions about styling, so making choices about what to send to clients, but but also in managing our inventory and, and thinking about our engagement strategies with clients. And of course, many of these decisions happen over different time scales. So if you if you have a fix and uh, provide some feedback, you know we can use that more or less immediately in, in understanding your preferences and, and thinking about what to send you in the future. Um, you know that feedback can also be quite important to understand how different items in our inventory fit into you know the portfolio of, of styles that we carry, and you know whether we should. Know, maybe buy more or something, less of something, and particularly on the inventory side, there's a lot of decisions that happen at, at longer time scales. Um, yeah, and it's uh, I, I think we, you know, as a general rule, you know, try to use all the information that's available to us as fast as we can. But certainly, like some of these feedback cycles play out over longer periods of time. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And 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 I was and I'm assuming you're 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 balancing. The idea of like the hyper personalization, where you're you're really it's that one person versus um, you know you're associating with some sort of I don't know what you know I guess the word would be cluster, but like some sort mm. of group of people that have similar taste. You- Absolutely, yeah, and I mean, so you know, one thing that I you know I, I like to say a lot is that we should treat every client as their own segment, mm. and I you know more more traditional approaches to to retail. They don't have, you know, necessarily the data or the data science capabilities that, that, that we're lucky to have. Right. Um, have to work with averages, and if you're not just targeting like the modal client, you might have a small handful of, of different clusters or, or segments that, that you try to build for. And at Citrix, I think one thing that does you know differentiate us is the fact that we do know our clients to a person and get feedback, you know, from from every client. And this this really enables us to think about. You know, not not just an average, but actually, you know, a whole client population. And likewise, you know, we have that feedback on every item in our inventory. So it's really this kind of one-to-one personalization opportunity that, um, you know, is a product of both taking a data science approach and an algorithmic approach that enables that to scale, but then also just fundamentally having the data. And a lot of that comes from the nature of our business model. Hmm. And, you know, one thing I think about when I see this, I mean, you... What I'm seeing you talk about, I'm sure there's like layers of sophistication beneath this, but you you guys are pretty sophisticated about how you're using this data and how you're incorporating the human feedback. I mean, I'm assuming that didn't happen day one. So, I mean, was this a, has this been a process over years of this continuing to refine the process and learning how to balance the things? I'm assuming it is. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a journey, not a destination. <laughs> you know, continuing to to get better and more sophisticated and more ambitious over time and i mean if you if you look back you know so it was eric colson who was the you know the, the first data scientist here um and you know among the first problems he worked on were the first version of the recommendation algorithm that we used to help styles pick things for clients and you know when i joined stitch fix which is you know almost six years ago in june that was the problem that i worked on and you know over time we started to work on different areas of the business and, and today i think actually one of the things that is striking about 
the, the team, the algorithms team at StitchFix is really how broadly engaged it is with virtually every aspect of the business from mm-hmm. inventory to you know, designing new things to how we, how we allocate marketing spend and, and strategies for engaging with clients. And of course, you know, so, some of the core problems related to what do we send to clients and how do we, how do we pick the best st- the stylus that should style a client? And so certainly, you know, it's certainly been a journey and I, I think we, you know, over time continue to take on bigger and harder problems. Oh, that's that's cool. Well, and you, one thing you you made me think about is that it it sounds like the data science approach was a core part of Stitch Fix's DNA early on, right? So, I mean, does you did your founder Katrina Lake did she actually come from that background? Did she already have like an appreciation for that? Because uh, it sounds like this is almost from the beginning, pretty much, right? Absolutely, and I think you know, much to her credit, I, I think Katrina very early on had a vision for the role that data and data science could play in the company. And, you know, her, her background is in, in economics and she started the company as an MBA student at Harvard. And, you know, one, one, one of the many remarkable things about Stitchfix is how early she assembled like a very heavy hitting executive team that included Eric Holmes from Netflix, you know, Mike Smith from Walmart and many others. And I think she, she, it saw this opportunity very early and it, from from you know, very early stages of the company. So so she saw the opportunity for, for building the company around data. And as the team has grown, we've really been able to bring that to life. But a, a lot of credit is due to Katrina for having that vision initially. No, that's, that's, that's cool. And I mean, it sounds like partly what's led to your guys' success is that you just have such a variety of, of inputs and different people coming in from from different directions to really build a you know a new innovative way because i mean you just it's not just a bunch of people just like let's repeat rinse and repeat you're really coming out from a different direction which is which is pretty awesome yeah and i and i have to say like one of one of the most fun aspects of actually working here is the intellectual diversity that we Hmm. have so getting to work with stylists and and merchants and, and engineers and and you know, financial analysts, and of course, data scientists. It's a really, uh, you know, broad spectrum of, of, of talent that comes together to make make the company work. Well, well you know, I want to I want to run something past you that I've been thinking about, and what you just said reminded me of that. Is that I, you know, is our is our particularly the U.S. economy, but, but overall in the world changes, and the problems we're trying to solve change, and in particular, like what we're just talking about here, the the field of competition is changing. It seems to me like the both the people in the companies, particularly the people that are going to be successful are the ones that manage to combine, you know, I think you, you said a couple times art and science because, you know, they're at least, um, I'm assuming you're, you're in the range of my age, but you know, when I, when I started out when I was young in particular, when I went to college, it was like, you, you're going, you're going sciences, you know, science all day, all the time. I had to fight to be able to take liberal arts classes. You know, the the idea was to get out of those as quickly as possible, and they didn't encourage you to broaden yourself out. and And I worry that's even gotten worse. But what you're describing is a company that is, and you you personally are succeeding because you're embracing, you know, this you know the the, the art as part of your science. So, I mean, what what are you what are you seeing, particularly as you're bringing in some of these more junior people? Do you do you feel like that there's a recognition that this is important, or do you guys having to kind of instill that? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. You know, certainly, a lot of a lot of the coverage of technology trends with, with automation or, or, or AI hype, like, 
it was focused on it has like a very art versus science to yeah it. <laughs> it does it's so true so we really like to say it's, it's art and science and in almost every setting there there's some combination of human judgment and machines or algorithms that, that is better than than either alone it's interesting you know to make that work you you do work with people from a variety of different backgrounds and different educations and, and skill sets. And that's even, you know, that's even true within the algorithms team at StitchFix. So if you look at the backgrounds of, of data scientists here, you know, certainly we have people like myself who are, you know, statisticians by training or computer scientists. We also have people from all over the sciences, you know, from, from neuroscience or physics or chemistry. You know, I, I think there's there's value in that diversity of perspective, you know, even within the, the technical functions of the company. Hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's really good. And I, and I really do feel like that's going to, going forward, the people that are going to succeed are going to be the ones that appreciate that and the companies mm-hmm. that are going to see they're going to appreciate that. You know, one thing that you touched on a little earlier that I want to go back to, you, you talked about data and you talked about the expectation from your customers that you were going to be good stewards of their data. And I mean, one thing that strikes me, I, I think I even saw some things that you said about your, your business runs on data. And, and clearly one of the reasons why you guys are being so successful is because you you are getting a lot of data about your customers, but then, you know, in today's day and age, that also carries a lot of risk with it. So how do you guys think and appro- about that and approach it to make sure that you're, you know, maintaining that trust? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, as we discussed, I think having clients who are not only willing, but are excited to share with us is, is a critical part of our business. Yeah. And so, you know, it's really important that, that, that we have their trust to be, you know, both good stewards of, of their data from a technological perspective. So thinking, you know, carefully about how we store things and, and using encryption and, you know, kind of, you know, modern, you know, multi-layer approaches to, to, you know, being good stewards of data. But then also at the business level where, you know, I, I think a, an important part of people feeling comfortable sharing with us is, you know, because it's in their interest for, for us to get to know them and to improve the service over time. But also just the, the nature of our business that, you know, we don't sell data to, to other companies. And it's just not, hmm. um, there's not an aspect of our business model. You know, I, I think it's quite important that, that we have that trust and alignment to, to you know, keep the, the feedback um, flowing. And, you know, I, you know I, I like to say that, you know, data isn't our product, uh, but, but in many ways it's our business as, as hmm. we that data to, to get better at everything that we do. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one, one thing I've I've heard a couple different ways. We actually stay here at Sumo Logic where I'm at is that um, you know we talk about like a analytics economy, but what we mean by that is that you know it's the it's the, it's those who take the best advantage of the data and you know and, and deliver back better products because of that are the ones that are going to win. And some and it sounds like that's really fundamentally what you guys you guys have found a better way to get better data, more comprehensive data and then you are making the best possible use of that to deliver a better product back to your customers. So it's kind of this virtuous circle, which means you're probably going to get more data. And so you continue to this enrich the experience, right? Absolutely. And I, I mean, I think a fun recent example of that is a, is a feature we rolled out in our iOS application called Style Shuffle, which, which is basically a rating game where you, you can look at different things and provide feedback on what you like and, and what you don't like. And it's been both a really fun way to engage with clients. And, you know, we've yeah. well over a billion ratings on the platform so far. And also, you know, another great way to learn from clients, another great way that they can share their preferences. And, you know, this data has been very impactful in improving the, the client experience in very concrete, measurable ways. And so, yeah, certainly, you know, I think 
uh, will continue to get better at using data, which is kind of you know the, the core charter of the algorithms team at StitchFix. They'll also continue to get new data and, and engage with their clients in different ways, and that'll help to make us continue to get better, better and better over time. Yeah, well, you know, one thing that comes to mind too is like a, a theme that has been you know, in the general consciousness for a while, but particularly in some of the people that we've talked to on this podcast has been, you know, biased to since the flip side, you've got that trust, you have a data, but like also, you know, there's been instances, uh, you know, like we interviewed um, Kathy O'Neill, who wrote the Weapons of Math Destruction. She talked about bias and it's usually more about, you know, these kind of public services and out there. But I mean, do you, do you feel like that's actually been something that you guys have had to confront and get your hands around around bias in the platform? Or has that been less of a problem for you guys? Well, I mean, I, I think there's, you know, there's a different of difference in severity between, you know, you know, maybe using AI and like the criminal justice system. Yeah, right. And worry about, you know, systematic bias there. And, you know, being, being a retailer and a personal styling service, we do think quite a bit about getting good feedback from our clients. And, you know, many, you know, economists and behavioral scientists will tell you that there can be a difference between, you know, what, what people say they want and how they what actually they really want. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so we, we think about that a lot. Um, also, just an aspect of the, the human and the loop nature of a lot of what we do, particularly in styling, you know, involves, you know, human stylists making decisions. And, you know, we think a lot about, um, you know, how to how to match clients and stylists together and how to build tools that, that make stylists more effective. And part of that is understanding different styles have different stylistic preferences. And, you know, mm-hmm. can, can we actually not only be aware of that, but use it to improve improve the service for uh, for our clients? That oh, That's interesting. So even you're you're running your algorithms through the filter of a person and 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 uh you can see oh that's that's and you guys have got thousands of stylists right you have a quite a few of these stylists across the country right absolutely yeah so so we have over 3000 stylists across the country they're they're mostly working remotely and part time they're actual stitch fix employees and and we invest quite a bit in training and development and, and, and retaining them. And uh, yeah, so it, you know, it's a great, you know, great workforce. And we certainly, from an algorithm's perspective, learn a ton by the decisions that stylists make for clients. And that helps us to make algorithms better. But, you know, stylists are also human and, you know, we, we, we have, uh, you know, human preferences. I might love, uh, you know, blue polo shirts and you might assume that everybody else would too. And, you know, <laughs> You know, we can you know look look at preferences our stylists have and, and understand their strengths and weaknesses um, as humans as in, in part of this larger system to to help help optimize the experience for everybody. Yeah, I, yeah, I can see it because you you reminded me. I remember uh, you know my wife helped me understand that I could actually wear brown and that was okay. <laughs> I was allowed. I <laughs> uh, didn't have to wear blue all the time. So just to kind of put a bow on all this, I mean, you, you guys are doing some pretty amazing things. So what's what, what's what's next? What's the kind of next frontier that you could actually talk about? There's just an enormous uh, variety of exciting things that, that we're working on as a team. And I think, you know, as, as we talked about before, uh, you know, we're just getting started. There's so much more opportunity for just getting better fundamentally and understanding what people like and love and how to better manage inventory and develop new products. And so, you know, there's a lot of sustained innovation there that, that you know, gets me excited to come to work every day. I think over time, there's a lot of, you know, really interesting ways of engaging with clients that, that we'll get to explore as, you know, things like computer vision and, and you know, even things like 3D scanning become become more accessible. Uh, you know, what role could that play in, in, 
you know, the future of, of a business like Citrix. And so I'm excited about the ways in which we engage with clients and get data from clients will continue to evolve over time. And it'll be an exciting journey. Absolutely. I would, I would expect so. Brad, this has been a lot of fun. I think uh, it's, you guys really are, uh, you know, what's the right word? Yeah, like a, a perfect example of the company that I think is so interesting. Like we said, of bringing that together, that art and science, and particularly using data science for good, not for evil, <laughs> you know, making, <laughs> making people's lives better. So I, I think that's great. And I wish you guys all the luck. And thank you for taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Ben. My pleasure. Masters of Data is brought to you by SumoLogic. SumoLogic is a cloud-native machine data analytics platform delivering real-time continuous intelligence as a service to build, run, and secure modern applications. SumoLogic empowers the people who power modern business. For more information, go to sumologic.com. For more on Masters of Data, go to mastersofdata.com and subscribe. And spread the word by rating us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app.